Growler Media presents Joe vs. the Minute. Welcome back to Joe vs. Minute, the Movies by Minute podcast analyzing the 1990 Tom Hanks Meg Ryan classic, Joe vs. the Volcano. As you can tell, I'm a little biased into thinking this movie should be a bigger deal in pop culture than it is. I'm Tierney Steele. And I'm Jarf. Hey Tierney, happy Wednesday. Made it to another minute. This is a good minute too. I'm excited. I feel like our our week is really picking up now. Oh, this is a minute. This is minute five. It is traveling through this crazy factory getting Joe into work. And both the story and our credits are rushing into movie proper this minute. It's rushing into movie proper. And it just struck me that this was a very ambitious set design that is doing a lot more than you need to do just to establish where he works. Especially if you kind of work your way backwards to most of the action in his work just takes place in his dismal office, that that's where he's going to end up. So they could have really breezed by the whole warehouse factory floor aspect of it because it's it's a lot to build and design. If you just did the establishing shot of the warehouse and then even just had a door that was like factory floor and then he had the advertising department, we, we would have filled in the blanks in our mind. But clearly they had a bolder vision because they just went all out with kooky chaos. There's a crate being hoisted up. There's a couple workers carrying boxes on their head and shoulders in ways that don't look especially safe. And Well, but there's all those flashing safety lights. <laughs> all the flashing safety lights. There's a welder doing his thing right by the steps that Joe comes down. <laughs> it gives you some great shadow work. And this is the scene that I always heard was inspired by Metropolis, which please don't revoke my movie nerd card. I've never seen. Oh, man. You know, I've never seen Metropolis either. My friend Graylin is a huge fan of that. He's got a Metropolis poster. It comes up constantly if you study film. Yes, and I remember the uh, inspirations to Star Wars design, so we'll have to watch that someday. But I didn't know that this scene was a reference to that. That's really cool. The the workers, when you mentioned especially them like holding the crates, moving through the factory, moving past the different people doing these things, just the, the, the color, the movement, the mood. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's all supposed to evoke that same feeling. So it's got the dismal mood that you expect. But if you pay attention to the work, it's done in a very different style than the way that I've seen other people kind of capture this all doldrums and grind of a factory because there's nothing organized about what's happening. There's no assembly line where you see everyone doing the same thing. There's just crates being carried willy-nilly. And my favorite was the petroleum jelly dispenser guy. I was going to say, I assume this is the uh, much-touted petroleum jelly from the sign outside. Yeah. <laughs> it's got to be. It's so gross. 
just think that they rigged up that practical effect just so you can get these couple of seconds with the noise (laughs) (laughs) and it's got his big dispenser gun and it's kind of gooks into the container it's really a lot there's dripping the whole nine yards (laughs) yes (laughs) so since we're talking about the design and since we get a credit for him in this minute seems like a good time to shout out the production designer Bo Welch so I wasn't sure how familiar love his grape juice (laughs) You know, you can do much better than Welch's grape juice, but but I do like the plug. Can I? It's Wednesday. <laughs> <laughs> but this is actually another Tim Burton connection. Bo has worked a lot with Tim Burton, so he did production design on Edward Scissorhands, Beetlejuice, Batman Returns, and... Oh, my childhood. <laughs> Yes, exactly. He also did the Men in Black series, so just lots of like inventive. My middle weird. schoolhood. Good God. <laughs> he's also, to me, he's a local guy. He's from Yardley, PA, which is not too far from where I live. Love your soap. More recently, he did Thor. So last week, Tierney, you challenged us to find some connection between Joe versus the volcano and the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And now we have it. This is our MCU connection. Bo Welch. I'm assuming the lightning bolt just really came to him. Ah, yes. I think you're onto something there. It all makes sense. And then I think the other side of these aesthetics is the art director, Tom Duffield, who has also worked a ton with Tim Burton, but did production design for The Ring and is an uncredited set designer for Blade Runner. So I think it's the combination of their two aesthetics where you get the weird and the wonderful and then some of the the dark, creepy horror sci-fi. Who designed the sign about the rectal probe? (laughs) Because I am not a doctor, but yikes. So we see the rectal probe sign again, and I love it. This is a wonderful gag. The comic drama of the new number crashing down. Like, it's perfect. It's wonderful. I wouldn't change a thing. But um, should rectal probes look like screws? (laughs) <laughs> that does it's it's so horrifying it reminded me of a medieval torture device or all of those horrible implements from batman 1989 when the joker first discovers like his disfiguration and back alley plastic surgeon has all of those scary tools on the table so it, it's not right <laughs> I'll share it, and then we've got some time before this airs. I can decide if I want to cut it, but I am a girl, a woman, and I've always identified as such, and I biologically am such. And the first time I ever went for to the OBGYN, I was super nervous because I was young, you know, but normal age when you would start doing that. And the doctor said, well, have you used tampons before? And I said, yes. He said, then don't even worry about it. You'll be fine. And then he pulled the speculum out of a drawer. And I was like, you don't know what tampons are. Because that ain't it. (laughs) And so that's all I could think of when I saw this where I'm like, I don't know what a rectal probe is supposed to look like. But I know that's not one of them. (laughs) I know that's not right. (laughs) It should probably be smooth. It should not not be drilly. (laughs) Oh, man. But the 
comic timing of this sign. Oh, can we just take a minute to appreciate it? It's so well done. Oh, I loved it. I had that as one of my notes too. So we we called out the satisfied customers for the rectal probe sign <laughs> on Monday. And then as they pass by it, click, <laughs> clicks over and like, hey, already, already this morning, we've got one more satisfied customer. Yeah, but folks, it's not a click. I mean, this number is huge. <laughs> That's true. That's true. It comes, the six comes crashing down over the five. So we now have 712,766 satisfied customers. <laughs> Yeah, it's really, really good. And we've already seen a couple instances where there's this really good comic timing, lining up elements from visual to the sound, and everything is just nicely on cue. Well, and it works well because it builds up, and then that's what it is. (laughs) Right. (laughs) It's the number rolling over. (laughs) Yes. And I also liked that at the end of this minute, the music ends just as Joe punches his time card. Oh, yes. Beautiful editing. And it's on the credit for Spielberg, Kennedy, and Marshall. Whew. We really we have to make sure that this movie gets as much love as possible. I think that that has to be our overall mission because the more I dig into it, just the more the more movie-making magic I see. Here, just listen to this sentence. The music ends perfectly on cue in time with Tom Hanks acting on the screen as the credit for Spielberg, Kennedy, and Marshall flashes over top. This movie should be one of the most famous movies ever. (laughs) Right? It's, It's totally true. Every word that I just said. Goodness gracious. I have used a time card punch. Have you? It's a very satisfying mechanical mechanism. Yes. Yes, I have. It's and it is satisfying. It's not satisfying like when you're running late and trying to do it, but that's all right. (laughs) And then I've also worked at ones where you swipe your card, and that's not nearly as much fun. No, it really isn't. Well, it's nice to know that even though we have never done a podcast together before, like a series, a whole show, not just an individual episode or panel, we are in sync with each other because so far our notes have matched up almost exactly. Right. <laughs> and, and a peek behind the curtain, we don't compare notes beforehand. We just look at the minutes separately and pretty much just hop on and say, hey, are you ready to record today? Mm-hmm. And then we start recording. Yeah. Because we're doing this for you all in our free time. Wait, we were supposed to have free time? (laughs) (laughs) You see, they told you you could have it all. Man, that just keeps going. Instead, you got capitalism. Yeah, I gotta say, late stage capitalism, not really working great for me. So I was doing a poll on Twitter today about your favorite rebel movies, be it a a large rebellion or just one person up against the system. So that that is just kind of fresh in my mind. And the ones that I came up with were Rogue One, Mm -hmm. Sorry to Bother You, and The Molly Maguires. And it just reminded me of when I was trying to think of other movies that are sort of share some of the DNA of Joe versus the Volcano, because it is very unique. Sorry to Bother You is one of the few. And I just wondered, when you think of other movies, not that are similar to Joe versus the Volcano, but kind of belong in the same conversation, what would yours be? Hmm. 
All right. I have a movie that I always think of around, like, it and Joe versus Volcano are very similar in my mind, but it doesn't... (laughs) I'm pretty sure I'm the only person who's going to do this, and I will explain it. The movie Stick It, I think it's a 2006 movie? In the aughts, definitely. It's gymnastics, right? Yeah, it's about elite gymnasts. But here's my explanation. Haley was an elite gymnast who walked away from the sport and is super cynical and is super like, I'm not doing this anymore. Long story. She ends up going back to gymnastics and succeeding, of course. I don't think it's a spoiler to say there's a happy ending. No, no, wait. In her own way. Did she walk away because of an injury or something or was she afraid to? Um, that is a spoiler. When we meet her, she wants nothing to do with it. What I see is that we meet this person who is, she's more angry than Joe is beaten down. Mm -hmm. But they're both in this very negative place where they've made this life for them that they keep saying it's fine, it's fine, it's fine. And it's clearly not. And they end up going on this emotional and physical journey to change into the person they were meant to be. And then at the end, it's not just, oh, I became what society wanted me to be. There's something on a different level. They go beyond just the, okay, well, I could check off that box. And Stick It has a bunch of very fantastical scenes using the gymnastics side of it that put it to me in this category of fairy tale that isn't. Wow. So Stick It is basically a fantastical fairy tale telling of an elite gymnast. And Joe versus the Volcano is a fantastical fairy tale telling of a man gaining his courage. So, also, I really like them both, and I've watched them a lot. (laughs) (laughs) I like that answer. Totally unexpected, but that is what Tierney is here for. (laughs) Yeah, sorry it was a long answer, but I knew if I didn't explain it, no one was going to get what I was thinking of. Yeah, it's, I didn't feel like I needed to build the case for Sorry to Bother You in the same way, because I think that it's more one-to-one. You get the doldrums of work, there are the surreal elements, and then his own character arc. So there's such a gap in time between the two of them that maybe people haven't thought of them at the same time. But once you do, it's it's really there. I'm also blanking on other examples, obviously. <laughs> I was thinking of something before you asked that. Oh, about the Rebels. So um, it's funny you should mention that. I am going to throw something out into the universe because you never know when someone's going to be able to answer it. It's something I notice almost every day on my way home from work. And almost every day, I wonder about this. In the, we call it the T, but in the subway station, State Street, or State, on the Orange Line, going towards Forest Hill? Whatever. Going in one of the directions, the one that I take to get home. (laughs) (laughs) When you get off, there is, at the bottom of a column, a cement block in which there is some writing. Well, that's not unheard of. The writing says Margaret Thatcher. But that's it. Is this pro-Margaret Thatcher? Is this anti-Margaret Thatcher? When was this written? (laughs) It doesn't look like it's that old. That station has been redone since someone would have written... Why? Who? When? What were the circumstances? That's so bizarre. Is there some weird proto-punk wandering Boston that just saw an opportunity? It's just Margaret Thatcher. (laughs) (laughs) And it's kind of like, 
like squished. You can tell they started making their letters big. And then as they got closer to the end, had to make them smaller and smaller. (laughs) I love that. (laughs) It's just one of those things. And it's funny. I saw it today. So the minute you started talking about Rebels and Rogue One, and I'm just like, you know... I wonder if there's a story behind this that I don't know. Is there some Boston-based band that was super into getting people to talk about that? Because you don't see a lot of, like, Thatcher graffiti in in New England. No, you really don't. Do you have a picture of it that you can share with us? I will by the time this airs. (laughs) (laughs) Future Tierney. I know. Take a picture Tyranny, of the Margaret Thatcher. when you edit this, don't forget. <laughs> well, the problem is I usually see it, like I said, on my way home from work in the mm-hmm. middle of rush hour. So what I need to do is go like on a weekend or something right. when there aren't as many people around. The things we do for our podcast listeners. Well, hey, if you want to see that Margaret Thatcher... <laughs> graffiti, then you should probably check us out on social media. So we're on Twitter and Instagram at Joe versus Minute. And if you're on Facebook, a really fun social group uh, for our listeners is our Joe versus the Minute listeners luggage craft. So check us out there. He said craft again instead of flaraf. Oh, no. (laughs) But you know what I love? It just occurred to me. I don't know if you like beer, but if we ever did we could brew joe versus the minutes listeners luggage craft ale we could we could i don't think we could sell it via tea public i'm sure there are rules about that sort of thing but we can make it for ourselves we could make it for ourselves (laughs) and i already told you the number one merch that i want to make is beer foamies so that would be a perfect thing to advertise on our our beer foamies i love it Wow, we are already crazy and it's not even Friday. (laughs) (laughs) It's only Wednesday. We're already crazy. We've gone all the way from Blade Runner to Stick It. (laughs) So where to next, Tierney? Away from the things of man. Away from the things of man. Wow, something is really different. I'm a growler.